and welcome to the Red Tunic Podcast, a podcast where I look to rediscover what makes gaming fun and enjoyable by having positive conversations with those related to the industry. My name is Link, and today I'm joined by Michael Long, CEO of Foolish Mortals, creators of such games as MMM, Laser Cops, Radio General, and the most recent, Kaiju Wars. Hi, Michael. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing well. well Thanks for having me. No, thank you so much for, for making time to, to join me. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad to hear you're doing well. Indeed. So, so, Michael, before we get started, if you don't mind, maybe tell me and the listeners a little bit about yourself or what you feel we need to know before uh, we go any further. Sure. Uh, I've been making um, small-scale game jam indie games for a number of years. Uh, luckily, I was very fortunate uh, to be able to now make it a full-time job. I've been running my own indie studio for close to four years now. Full-time, that's my job. I'm very fortunate to be in that position. Uh, I basically got my career started when I released my first game that actually sold something. Uh, Radio General actually did quite well for a mostly solo person. So I'm very fortunate to be in this position of actually making games full time now. And, you know, that's great here. Congratulations on being able to do that. Uh, you know, it's always, I'm always happy to hear when like uh, someone's able to turn a, a little kind of solo project or what have you into their own full-time um, reliant gig. Uh, just because, you know, if, if it's what you like doing, there's nothing better than doing what you like and being paid for it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a pretty much a dream come true. Of course, it's still a very tough job, but uh, I definitely, but it's what I want to do. So it's great. And again, you know, I'm happy to hear that for you. That's like, that's always fantastic. And, you know, I, I've had the, well, I, I went out and I made sure before speaking with you to try Kaiju Wars. And I, like I had mentioned to you before, um, or, you know, in the email when we were setting this all up, that I had been aware of it. And that's how, like, I find, found out about you. And, you know, I really enjoyed the demo. I liked the, um, I liked the, the, the lead in to, like, the missions. Um, I don't know if I've seen it elsewhere outside of, like, um, valkyria chronicles i don't know if that's where you got it or if it came from other places but i always kind of liked that storybook approach where um like the missions or the information or what have you was this kind of um thing you could experience by like clicking into it and and all of that um as well as you know the the, the gameplay was was really fun and and interesting the whole fighting back the kaijus and uh, from what the demo presented you know getting the um, like super units or, or what have you and, and all of that. So um, I just wanted to say, like, before we go any further, I really enjoyed the demo and I'm looking forward to having the time to actually indulge in picking it up and playing more than just that. Um, but yeah, no, I just, again, wanted to say, like, uh, the demo is great and it's, you know, I, I look forward to finding time to playing the rest. Well, awesome. Thank you. Glad you enjoyed it. Um, we definitely took inspiration from... Uh... Advance Wars, especially Advance Wars Days of Rune for the DS, where they had a story, uh, kind of like a visual novel story before each mission. You didn't get any info before the mission, but the story I quite liked. Uh, so it's kind of based on that, and the gameplay's uh, somewhat, um, a little bit inspired by Into the Breach as well, of course. And, you know, yeah, I can. I haven't had a chance to play Into the Breach. I am aware of it, and I, you know, it's it's also one of those things that's on my list for when I actually create some time or have some time or what have you but you know i i really like the idea of what kaiju wars is and that it's you know fighting back um a giant monster as it's demolishing 
everything you have that is like your uh, how you try to sustain yourself um you know for some of the demo levels i i watched uh in terror as like the the uh, the, the turn refresh on my funds were were clicking away as whatever uh, I, I think it was the armadillo or what have you was stomping down on everything and all i could think was well i'm glad i paid for all of the units in advance so that way they're just refreshing not you know full expense that's right it's quite a different idea where in generally in games uh the you, you have units and you don't want to lose your units whereas in this game you're going to lose your units you're going to lose your buildings it's very much a war of attrition this monster is going to destroy your city the question is how much is he going to destroy all of it or just you know 80 percent of it before you get a victory so it's kind of like the more realistic aftermath of a a realistic Godzilla movie where Godzilla is going to wreck up the place and you can just do your best to try to just hold on just barely, but it's not going to be a, a great victory. It's still going to be a, a lot of damage. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that as well, I, um, I don't remember if it was like right away or on like the second or third demo mission or whatever, but when your, your, your general guy, uh, advisor would have you, um, makes the joke about, all of or like gary or whatever was flattened and like now they're gone and then it's just well anyway moving on i i you know i that was kind of the moment where i went oh okay these are expendable units they're not meant to be like try and protect them try and whatever it's like oh no this is going to be like send it at it watch them get wiped out refresh them because now they're cheaper to to heal or what have you and send them right back out i that was a different approach for for me because you know i i had played advance wars uh one and two on like the game boy um and then you know like fire emblem made also by intelligent systems and those very much had the approach of preserving your units and kind of being told right out the gate that oh no you're not going to be trying to preserve them you know throw these at the monster and just keep going like keep just mashing things as you said a war of attrition uh, that was uh, a very nice thing to be told like right away and it made it more enjoyable for me not to be like well I have to try and you know position just like no throw them at it and see what happens see what happens see what happens and then you know watch a bomber jet get smacked across the map which is quite amusing when it you know when the monster does its its things yeah as you say that's very uh, unique and basically as far as I'm aware no other game really wants you in fact you know, repairing the units is very cheap. It only costs a dollar to, re to repair a unit. Um, but actually, some units have counterattack, like the tanks and fighters, and their primary purpose is to get stepped on. It's like stepping on a pointy Lego, very painful. <laughs> uh, so, like, the tanks and fighters are meant to get stepped on, and if they're not getting stepped on, you're not playing optimally. So the optimal way to play is to lose a bunch of units, which is very, um, as far as I'm aware, different than pretty much any other strategy game. You never want to lose units. In this game, yep, some units are meant to be destroyed. Yeah, and thank you for mentioning that too, because you know that was also like you said. I th I do think that's unique. I don't think I've seen another um, game similar where like that is encouraged to the extent of you know when your unit dies, it does a thing that you want it to do. Like it's it's inherent or not inherent, but it's it's important that they that they just get destroyed. Like the um, I forget what it was, but the the nod I think it was to Macross the unit that uh, gets destroyed and then turns into a robot and gets to fight. That was, um, you know, like those kind of mechanics, uh, counter systems, I guess you would call them. Uh, like that's, that's really cool. Uh, like, like you said, it, it is unique. I don't think I've seen it before. And I, I, yeah, I just think 
I think that's also a great idea. I think it's, I just enjoyed it is what I'm trying to really get to the end, uh, bottom of there. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, you should play the full game. There's a lot more to it. I Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm looking forward to having the time because, yeah, like the, the demo ends where you get to like upgrade units and such. And that, you know, um, and like the card system, well, card system, quote unquote, um, was introduced. I don't know the right word, hence the quote unquote. Um, but like that was interesting. So, yeah, it seems like it's uh, there's a lot more to it. And I'm like I said, I'm looking forward to hopefully creating time uh, in the new year, maybe. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, there's so many games to play. It's a, it's a good problem to have. To a degree, yes. Sometimes, you know, you have to shift around the ones that you really want to try versus the ones that you're like, I like, you know what I mean. You know, it's it's hard to try and prioritize and make that list when you have like when all of them are priorities, which one is the priority, right? That's right. Uh, so, Michael, if you don't mind, because you mentioned working on, um, you know, getting started working on like game jams and and some other solo smaller projects. But can you maybe elaborate on elaborate on how it is you got into developing and making games? Sure. Uh, so I have two older brothers. Uh, they've always played a lot of video games. So I always watched them from a young age, um, from you know Nintendo, Super Nintendo, N sixty four, all that stuff. Um, but I guess my first taste of actually making a game came from uh, Warcraft three. Warcraft three has an excellent map editor, and I actually did make my own um, campaign about dwarves, a custom campaign in Warcraft 3. So that map editor is extremely powerful and you can play with other players online, share your maps. So that was kind of my first experience dipping my toe into the modding scene. Uh, and then since then, uh, I went to university, uh, computer science. I'm a programmer by trade. And what I really fell in love with making games was they were hosting an in-person game jam. And a game jam is where you make uh, either by yourself or you team up with other people to make a video game within 48 hours or a weekend. So I did that. I found some random people and we joined, made a team and uh, we won first place at the local game jam. So that probably definitely helped um, me, you know, really appreciate the game jam, especially winning's great. Uh, and then ever since then, I've basically done every single participated, every single game jam at my local university since then. And now I actually run them. So I've gone uh, graduated to that. And then during my later on in my education during university, I actually started making games part time and releasing them on Steam. I made like a visual novel, a car kind of racing game, sort of. Um, they didn't do well, but it was, you know, you need, you need the practice to be able to get good. And then finally, during my master's degree, I started working on Radio General. And I worked on that game for about three and a half years. About two years was just part time in my spare time. And I actually uh, got approached by a publisher for that one just while working my spare time. And I also got a government grant to work on video games. So that at that point, that really clicked of like, oh, I could actually, I could do this full time. I could be a full time indie dev now. So when I finished my degree, I indeed did that. Spent another year full time working on the game, finished it, and it did all right. Uh, now I'm here. I am four years later, and so I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. And luckily, where I am in Canada, the federal government and also provincial government now, they actually do have video game grants. So if you're in Canada, you should definitely apply to those. Um, you might be able to be a full time indie dev um, if the government will give you some money for it. Awesome. And, you know, it's, well, thank you for sharing the information, especially about the, the grants. Um, you know, that is always important because, uh, well, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to eat or what have you. And, That's right. you know, anything is, is good. Anything can help. Um, but 
it's also really interesting that you started participating in all of the game jams held at your at the local university or what have you um and now now you're running them and i'm i'm curious about that um is there I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase it uh what have you noticed over the years from from participating in this whether it be you know as you were participating in making or participating in in hosting or or what have you if you don't mind well the most important part of a game jam is the deadline uh, with that deadline you finish whether or not you know you're, you're gonna be missing a lot of features from the game you envision you know you start on friday you're like oh i'm gonna make this huge game then you come sunday and it's not nearly it's half of what you thought it'd be but it's finished it's done that's it um so you really need to learn the importance of a deadline and a game jam teaches you that because games are never finished because there's always more you have in your head that you think you can do. Oh, you know, if I spend another year working on the game, I could add so-and-so features. There's always more you want to do. But finish is more of a state of mind than an actual, like, finished product. So you need, at some point, you'd say, stop, that's it, I'm done. And, dead and game jams teach you that deadline. And to be a successful game developer, you need to respect your deadlines. Um, because, again, you can spend an infinite time. There's always more features. I, I spent two years making Kaiju Wars. And there was more features. There's more I wanted to add, but at some point I had to say, no, stop, I'm done. That's it. And actually probably spent a bit too long working on the game. I should have only spent like a year and a half on it. So you need to really need to respect those deadlines. And that's what that's the most important lesson game jams will teach you is you need to have a deadline. You need to respect that because it can take infinite time. There's always more features. But you got to cut it off at some point. That's, uh, that's by far the most important lesson you'll learn if you participate in a game jam. As for hosting them, um, I guess it's just nice to see people come together and form teams, and then you're more of a mentor. You walk around and ask them, hey, how you doing? How can I help you? Do you need some help coding or something? And you kind of act more of a mercenary. You can help out people. Uh, and that's a good feeling, helping out others. Uh, yeah, they're great experiences. I recommend them. If you haven't done them uh, yourself, you should, uh, because anyone can participate in a game jam. You don't need to know how to code. You don't need to know how to art. Uh, there's all sorts of roles you can do it takes a village to make a game there's writing there's the level design there's the testing there's the music there's the voice acting um everyone can contribute something to a game jam so that's really great so thank you for sharing that and that's you know that's really really good to know and interesting to know that uh it's not always just going to be those finite roles like you, like you said you know where it's not just the programmers or the arting the people doing art or what have you so thank you for sharing that because that kind of also leads into uh, the idea that if someone is looking to get into the industry and they don't know how to or how like what they can contribute, something like that might actually open their eyes to finding where their strengths that they have might actually, you know, cross like that Venn diagram where it overlaps. So, you know, that's thank you. That's good advice. And hopefully something people can take to uh, take into consideration when moving forward. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, if, if you want to be a game developer, you should do as many game jams as you can just to get a feel of it and get the deadlines, see what you like. And, you know, if you didn't like it, then um, you're not going to like being a game developer, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think that would be a very fair uh, thing to take away from not liking. If you don't like the, the small scale stuff, you're probably not going to like the big scale stuff. That's right. Um, now... The next question kind of is going to, it might already have been answered, and that's perfectly fine. Um, and, you know, usually I ask if you have any words of wisdom to share from the experiences that you've had. However, 
is it fair to say that those words of wisdom are going to be stick to your deadline? Yeah, definitely. That's the that's the most important lesson. Absolutely. In fact, uh, if you go to university or school, um, the entire reason you go to university is for them to set the deadlines for you. You could learn everything that your professors or classes will teach you online. The internet is everything, especially on computer science and programming. But they give you a deadline, and without a deadline, you know you wouldn't actually do it and finish it. Especially if you're paying money, uh, that is an extra incentive to actually finish on the deadline, or else you'll have to pay more money. So yeah, absolutely, deadlines. That's it. And you know, I I'd be hard pressed to disagree with that kind of word of wisdom. Like you said, you know, in, in you know, for 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 almost anything really, but especially when money is on the line, right? Your whether it's That's your right. money or money given to you from, let's say, a grant or 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 a publisher or or whatnot. That's right. Yeah. Any anytime money's involved, yeah, you have to have a deadline to realistically finish. Um, because people love procrastinating. If they didn't have a deadline, they just <laughs> do whatever. Um, and I mean that's fine if you if you can live that lifestyle, but uh, most people can't afford that. Unfortunately, it would be fantastic if we all could kind of live like that. But yeah, most people can't. So learning learning that lesson is probably a good thing to do. Absolutely. So Michael, if Sorry, I'm still trying to figure out how to really, really phrase this question. However, um, you know, I'm going to presume that there has been a game in your life that you sat down and played it. And you're like, oh, wow, this is this is an amazing experience. This is what I want to do in my life. Um, you know, do you have a game like that? Or, you know, what was the game that you played and went, oh, wow, I want to be a game developer? Like, what game was it that made you go that route? Well, as I said, Warcraft 3 was when I, I got the I dip my toe into the modding experience of making something that was inside of a game. I, at the time, I didn't consider making games as a career because uh, I, I already at that time I knew it would be very difficult. So I just decided, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a programmer and maybe I'll make games in my spare time. Uh, I guess that would be like the first point that I really wanted to make games. I didn't think I'd be able to make it as a career, though, at that point. Uh, however, I've been, since a young age, I've also been making... Um, my own homebrew role-playing systems and my small board games as well, just to play among my friends. I always had kind of like that feeling of, I want to make games. I just didn't think I'd build to make a career out of it. And, you know, that's really interesting that, you know, you, you had that experiences when you were younger, you know, making uh, like board games or making, um, you know, role-playing, you know, tabletop role-playing games or what have you, but that it wasn't until you actually started tinkering around making things with with warcraft that you went oh i could do this or i would like to do this um and i only say it that way because i think a, a lot of people probably um you know they they find a game and then find a reason to get into it but it sounds like for you you just found the thing that you actually made things with and said oh wow this is actually fun um am i understanding correctly yep absolutely so with that in mind, then what what was it about Warcraft three that made you want to, you know, play with those tools or or what have you? And uh, I apologize if the short and long of that is going back to everything you did when you were younger, uh, but now in a digital form versus a physical form. Yeah, uh, being able to share what you created so easily with like hundreds of strangers was strangers is such a cool experience because uh, you could just host a map, 
uh, a map you made, and then random strangers from all over the world just join your map and join your lobby and start playing your map. And uh, that's just such a great experience. And in fact, I think a lot of a lot of game developers today would have started in Warcraft Three because we actually got a whole bunch of genres born from that one game. Uh, Warcraft Three birthed the tower defense genre. It was uh, Wintermall TD, um, and it also birthed, of course, Dota. Uh, League of Legends are all come from Warcraft Three. So basically, just these mods got really popular inside Warcraft Three. Now they're their own thing. Uh, so we have just basically strangers being able to play your games because before you're limited to your small group of friends, and they like your game, of course, but. It's always validating to see a like, stranger like always join your lobby and say, "Hey, that was great. I really love that game." And uh, it's awesome to get feedback from strangers. And you're like, "Oh yeah, maybe if one day I get paid to have strangers play my game, <laughs> that that would be cool." <laughs> but uh, you know, that's very tough. Yeah, I under, I can you know I obviously I can imagine it would be, and I think many could. And you know, that's I I didn't I knew about Dota. I knew that. Um, uh, the the that whole league of legends like that that gameplay style i cannot remember the actual um expanded form of that acronym um but i didn't know that tower defenses came out of out of warcraft 3 so that's or maybe got like you know that's where they exploded but that's mm-hmm. that's really cool just because you know sometimes you don't think on where certain things came out of and how some of them were literally just people pushing buttons to see what they could set up and what they could do in a, you know, in a, in a, in a map making or, or campaign or level editor or what have you, you know? Mm-hmm. That's right. So Michael, I am also curious, you know, did, did you have a favorite game when you were younger as well, or was it maybe just Warcraft? Uh, definitely Warcraft three and the original Starcraft were, uh, it's definitely the games I spent by far the most time playing, that's for sure. Uh, definitely those two, yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, I'm not overly shocked to hear that, just based on, uh, you know, if you, if, you, if you made maps in it, you probably enjoyed it enough, right? That's right, yeah. You had to be pretty hardcore to try that out. <laughs> so actually, the, the custom map-making scene in Warcraft 3, I think a lot more people played the, the use map settings maps, uh, the custom maps, than actually played the competitive actual warcraft 3 versus mode <laughs> oh yeah yeah you know i'm not gonna lie i wouldn't disagree with you on that i i personally um i don't think i really played any warcraft 3 proper i played starcraft proper um you know doing little lamb parties during school uh definitely not during class um but like <laughs> warcraft 3 we never we never got into but for me, I was more familiar with the, um, with like what what eventually became Dota, uh, than anything else with it. And you know, to the for to this day, for the life of me, I couldn't tell you anything about the actual Warcraft Three multiplayer other than uh, the what I experienced with Dota. You know, some fifteen plus, maybe twenty years ago now. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't shock me to to. To know if that or if i was told you know in in all like statistical factual what have you that it was the custom maps more than anything else uh when it came to warcraft 3 yeah absolutely well the reason for that is uh playing the, the traditional warcraft 3 and you know, starcraft strategy games uh it's really hard it's just far too hard a game to play uh, and and a few people can do it and do it well 
but it's just too hard for most people. So that's why these kind of subgenres of tower defense and MOBA, you know, Dota, League of Legends, like, oh, let's take Warcraft 3, but you only control one hero. That's a lot simpler than, you know, building three heroes and managing several bases and doing economy and upgrades and building and fighting with big, you know, um, 40 unit armies. Uh, it's just too hard, simply put. Uh, and that's kind of why we're seeing traditional RTSs aren't nearly as popular as they used to be because we've split them off into smaller subgenres that are much, much more accessible and probably get to closer to what a lot of people like. I guess in the old uh, RTSs, a, a lot of people just join them, but they actually enjoy specific parts of some people like the base building. Some people like fighting with big armies. Some people, you know, doing the heroes. So there's actually a bunch of different like fans of parts of the game, and now they've split off into actual proper subgenres uh, that are much more accessible. You know, that's a that's a really really good point because I've I've said this before. I don't know if it was with another guest or just in in you know normal conversation, but the the like traditional RTS doesn't exist in the same way like sometimes one will make a like a someone will, whether it's an indie or a big company or what have you they'll make a you know they'll make an attempt but you know they don't they don't really seem to exist and when they do exist they either kind of go all in on the command and conquer side of things or they go all in on like the the starcraft side of things where it's all about speed of execution or it's all about not the speed of execution where it's just, you know, setting everything up and, and going forward. Um, and then outside of that, it's, yeah, you're right. It's, you know, uh, you have uh, 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 town building games like similar to Banished, I think it's called, or, or what have you, where it's where it's taking the, one of those core concepts and really kind of dialing in on it and trying to focus on it and make that the the big, the big play. And like, you know, even then some of them, uh, some of them focus in on even more on certain aspects and, you know, ignore other ones and whatnot. Yeah, that that's right. Absolutely. Uh, Age of Empires 4 is like kind of the biggest, most recent one. And Age of Empires is definitely a different feel than Command and Conquer where you're throwing t together a whole bunch of units and fighting. Age of Empires 4 matches are much slower paced. It's more about the base building and actually the economy than the actual fighting. The fighting's pretty basic. Uh, it's all about how many dudes can you build, not how you use them. Right, and you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't even know Age of Empires four came out. I, I missed that entirely. But, um, but yeah, you're right. Those were also an entirely different RTS feel. Um, I, I don't know if they would borderline into like the four X territory or not. Um, I've always been really shaky on on that. But, but yeah, like I, I forgot. I didn't even realize uh, Age of Empires went out, and I also—I'm not gonna lie—I forgot it was a thing, which is really, really bad. Because, um, you know, some of those, some of the games that were built around Age of Empires, uh, like that, that format, were 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 awesome, were fantastic, and I played a lot of them when I was younger. Just forget they exist as you get older. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so many games out there for sure. So, Michael, what is it? about games that like you enjoy like what what kind of you know maybe genres or or games other than warcraft or 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 what have you like do you do you enjoy sure uh so for me uh strategy games as you can tell are, are my favorite type uh, i like both real time and turn-based so to me uh, i enjoy the thinking aspect the planning and the execution of a strategy 
making choices based on information. So I guess very cerebral. Um, I guess I don't like... I like games that give me a goal, a mission for me to accomplish. I just don't really enjoy Minecraft or uh, Animal Crossing, where they're very much more chill and it's more just an expression of creation. Uh, no, I prefer when you give me a mission, be like, okay, um, you know, go destroy the enemy base within 20 minutes. Okay, fantastic. I'm going to try to optimize that, make a plan, execute it as efficiently as possible. So uh, I guess you call me, what is it, a conqueror game player type of that, uh, I don't know, the there's a psychological uh, metric of determining what type of player and kind of game type things you enjoy. So I guess it'd be more of a conqueror and a strategist for, for those sort of, sort of things. Yeah, fair enough. I'm. I don't know. Like, I. I don't know the answer either. Uh, now, I am curious because strategy games aren't always something I play a lot of. Um, you know, like for example, uh, a friend of my friend, a friend of myself, we tried playing one, and we didn't realize the game was on pause, and we couldn't figure out why things weren't actually happening when we tried oh, to no. execute. Um, I think it was Stellaris. We just, we had no idea. We like legitimately didn't know. Um, so clearly I am not someone that should be playing strategy games. However, I am curious. No, it, so it sounds like just Stellaris messed up then. There's no such thing as a bad player, just bad tutorials. So uh, if they didn't make the pause button clear, uh, they made a mistake. In, in Stellaris's defense, we may have had a few drinks and it might've been on us. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> But however, I am curious because clearly I'm not a big strategy game player, you know, whether it be just not knowing they exist like Age of Empires 4 or what have you. But, you know, do you do you have any recommendations or do you are there some strategy games that, you know, that you've been playing lately or you're looking forward to that could be shared? Because, you know, maybe I can remember to keep the game unpaused and I'd be interested in checking some out, you know? Yeah. I guess uh, if you're looking for, uh, I think uh, Into the Breach is an excellent turn-based strategy game. So uh, you can take all the time in the world to think, and then it does allow you to do some limited undo of moves. Uh, it's very much like a sliding tile kind of puzzle, but you only have four units of control. So it's definitely a lot of brain burn of thinking, but it's a very small decision space of, I, I can't remember, maybe it's like an 8 by 8 grid. It's an 8 by 8 grid and you have four units and... There's like six enemies or something. So it's very, uh, it's basically boiled down to the pure essentials of making choices of where to put your guy and who to shoot. Uh, I think that's a very excellent strategy game, turn-based. Uh, it's also on the Switch, so you can like play it in bed or whatever. So very accessible. I, I would recommend that one. As well as your game, of course, right? <laughs> of course, of course. I think Kaiju Wars <laughs> is pretty sweet. <laughs> Sorry, I felt the need that there was a good place to get a plug-in for you there too. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I've yeah into the breach. I think I've like I said, I've I looked into it before, and I I've liked what I've seen from it. I don't remember who it was that made it, but for whatever reason, my brain is telling me it was it was was a team that had some idea how to make a strategy game. But I could be wrong. Yeah, they that. made um FTL before that. There we go. Thank you. So yes, my brain was telling me correct that it was a team that knows how to um how to make something where you have to balance a bunch of plates and keep them spinning. Definitely. So I am curious as well, and I'm 
sorry if this is going to be, you know, another one of, well, you've already answered it, but do you have like a comfort game that you play when you just want to relax? And if so, what is that game? Ooh, well, uh, yes, we, uh, we're, and strategy games generally require a lot of thinking. Uh, so I, I don't think I'd really call them relaxing. I think I would probably say I do other things to relax. Uh, I like, you know, doing, reading a lot of books or going on walks or hikes and traveling. Uh, so <laughs> the, the games I play are a lot of thinking, which is actually a lot of work. So I don't definitely don't relax playing games. <laughs> you know, and that's fair enough. And you're kind of ahead of me on what would be the next question then, um, where I was going to ask, you know, what kind of things do you enjoy outside of gaming? And it sounds like you, you know, walking or, or reading. Um, with that in mind, what kind of what kind of books do you enjoy reading? Uh, well, definitely uh, in the past, for sure, science fiction, fantasy, those are all great. Uh, for my latest game, I'm actually working on a sequel to Radio General. It's a World War II strategy game. I've just been reading, literally read about 10 World War II books and textbooks over the past like year. Uh, so just reading World War II stuff, I do very careful research on what I'm doing. And when I was making Kaiju Wars, I read a bunch of Kaiju books and watched like all of the Godzilla movies. So I kind of just immersed myself in the research of whatever it is the current project I'm working on. I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but I really hope those World War II books, especially the textbooks, uh, were not incredibly dry. <laughs> um, at first, I, yeah, I was worried about that too. And, you know, the first few weeks of reading one of them, I was like, oh, I don't know if I should keep going. But um, some of them are actually, they're written in a very compelling way where they follow, some of them follow a few different, so like 10 different soldiers throughout this big battle. And it seemed... Uh, their perspective is very interesting and it gets less dry the more you do it but i understand it definitely from it definitely can be dry for sure i get that so you know with that in mind then because you know you said like you said some of them can be very compelling to you know to make you want to continue uh do you have any recommendations on maybe some world war ii books or or kaiju style books that you might have read preparing for kaiju wars as well uh, sure. Uh, I guess I just read a book called Brothers in Arms for uh, World War II. Uh, it was about a Sherman, a British Sherman tank crew and their regiment uh, as they land on D-Day and fight all their way through all of Western Europe. And that was uh, a very interesting read of um, just the constant rotation of soldiers getting wounded and then replacements and how the tank crews actually fought. Uh, that was very interesting. That was called Brothers in Arms about a British Sherman tank crew or regiment. Well, thank you for, for that recommendation. I don't know, like that title does sound familiar. However, um, I don't know if that's just because like that's a, a common war theme. I put that in air quotes. Um, and yeah, it's definitely a common you know, a war thing. Um, there's also like a video game series called Brothers in Arms. So it's not, it's not related to those. <laughs> thank you. And that's where I was about to go is, you know, wondering uh, if, if that's related at all or, or whatnot. And, you know, it doesn't sound like it is. So, Michael, as well as, you know, those kind of hobbies. Um, <clears throat> wow, sorry, I just botched that, that transition. Um, <laughs> outside of those kind of hobbies. Um, wow, I did it again. I am incredibly sorry. Um, I'm going to just reset that there. Uh, is there a game that 
you feel that you would have played when you were younger or what have you that maybe just you don't feel got enough credit and you're you know think it deserves more attention oh deserves more attention interesting um hmm i might have to get back to you on that one i generally i, I think enjoyed most of the games i played as a kid uh, i know there's a game that i played as a kid called godzilla 2 for the nes that was a, a strategy game where you played as the humans and you fought the kaiju. It was actually the spiritual six, um, the inspiration for Kaiju Wars. I played that as a kid and loved it a lot. And looking back at it, it's actually terrible. <laughs> so it's the opposite. <laughs> but man, did I enjoy the theme of the kid. And that's why I was like, oh, you know, I think we could do a better, we could make this, we could actually take this idea and make it good. And I was kind of surprised nobody done that for Kaiju. And that's why we made Kaiju Wars. So that's definitely a game I enjoyed a lot, but it definitely doesn't hold up. <laughs> um. And you know, I, I can understand why you like why you wouldn't see something like that because you know you mention it now, and I I'm you know thought really quick. Most of the kaiju battle kind of games is, um, it's like a a, a a a kaiju against a kaiju or a kaiju against a big robot or what have you. Like rarely does it focus on the ground troops, so to say. It's always like big bombastic kind of setups and. You know, nothing nothing really focuses on the little things, uh, potentially because maybe no one had thought to do what you did, where the squishy things actually have are cheap, but also have like the counter elements to make it, you know, worth them being squishy, right? That's right. Yeah, as most of them are fighting games uh, for sure, though. Maybe you should have made a fighting game. Maybe it would have sold better. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. You know, I it'd be really grim to try and uh, comment on that. Um, but, you know, I... Like I said before, I'm not huge in strategy, but I really like the strategy game that you that you guys made. So, um, you know, I I would hope that maybe just, just it hasn't found its feet yet. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm trying to think of the best way to uh, say something positive <laughs> to that. Uh, well, we're definitely hoping for more sales. Uh, it definitely should have spent less time developing it, but it's like it's all right. It's not. Yeah, it's fine. I'll just working on my next project. Not every game you make can be uh, a hit. You kind of just hope that you can keep going until you finally get a, a more of a successful one. And you know, I think that is a very good, um, very good mindset to have, like moving forward. Because you know, I I imagine. Um, I imagine in a lot of ways trying to like put yourself into something, put something out there um, that it can be when it doesn't receive the, the notoriety or the success that you had hoped for that, that can be really um, like a, a kick in the teeth or what have you. So I, you know, I think it's a really good mindset to, to move forward with, well, you know, just, just keep on going and not let, uh, not let the, What's, I don't want to say failure because I don't. I think that's really the wrong way to say it because I don't think. I don't think you're. You know, you have several games. I don't think uh, putting saying failure is the right word, but um, mm. not letting past um, not as huge successes um, define yep. like how you continue. Uh, that was really jumbled, and I apologize, but I hope that makes sense. What I was trying to say. Yep, absolutely. Well, when actually when you release a game. Uh... Releasing game is probably the the worst day of your life, because uh, you're super nervous. You don't sleep all day. You do like a 
you run like a, a gameplay stream and you have to monitor like the Steam chat and Twitch chat or whatever, and you're not sure if the game's going to sell at all. And Steam like sales stats don't take a, there's a delay, often like a 24 hour delay. So you don't actually know how well it's selling at all. Um, so like the first two days of uh, launching your game is probably the worst of your entire life. Well, aside from other tragedies, <laughs> worst of your career, I suppose, um, because you're not sure if it's going to go well, if it's going to make any money at all. You have to run, monitor these streams and respond to comments and hope the reviews are good and try to get those 10 reviews on Steam as soon as possible. Very unpleasant. So I'm curious, and I, I want to be as quick as possible to say I don't want to take up too much more of your time because like you, you have, you're a busy man, you have other things to get to, but I've seen devs mention that 10, like getting to that, the, the first kind of landmark of 10 reviews. Are you able to put that in like quick words why that first 10 is the most important or is important? Yeah, it seems to be some internal Steam algorithm like doesn't show it very much on lists until it gets 10. Uh, it also changes what the wording next to like the all reviews uh, at the top of the page. It, it says like, you know, very positive uh, until you get 10. Uh, I believe the wording is actually different um, and it doesn't I'm not even sure I'd have to. Don't quote me, but it might not even mention positive or something, like still getting info or something, or mixed, like unknown reviews or something. You want to get to that positive as soon as possible, because when people glance at the page, they look to see, oh, what are the views? Oh, it's fewer than 10. Oh, is this must be a crappy game. Nobody's played it. It's not worth even looking at. So you really need to get that as soon as possible. So, you know, you got to ask your friends, say, hey, please, you know, try the game, give it a review. You know, you can beg people as soon, quickly as possible to get there. And then once you do that, it, it generally starts showing up on more lists like popular up upcoming or newly released more uh, on steam it's all about those lists very important so thank you for explaining that i i honestly had no idea about like the behind the scenes and that's really important for for i think for people to just know that uh when you know when you're when you're putting it out there like hey please please review it's not because you're trying to game the system it's because you're trying to make the system work um is what it sounds like so thank you for explaining that because uh like i said i didn't know that and i imagine most if not the large population of steam users probably didn't know that either because you know that's not a thing for develop non-developers to to worry about right that's right so yeah again thank you for that now Michael, as I said a few moments ago, I don't want to take too much more of your time because, you know, you had mentioned that you are uh, you have a busy packed day. Uh, so I do want to let you get going. However, before I let you go, though, um, if you you know, if there was anything else you want to discuss, maybe another cool game, um, more information on what else you're doing or something you just feel more people should be aware of, uh, by all means, the floor is yours. And please Feel free to let everyone know where they can find more information about you, uh, which I'll be including in the episode description. Uh, sure. Well, I guess I'm actually working on a sequel to uh, my first successful game, uh, Ready to General, um, right now. Uh, I'm working on a sequel for that, and it's going to be uh, very, very ambitious, and I hope to share uh, more information about that very soon in January. It's going to be very large um, voice commands, uh, hundreds of players, web-based, free-to-play. Free uh, lots of stuff going on, um, and I'll, I'll probably send you a link when there's more info about that. <laughs> you know, definitely. If you if you send me a link for that, I will. Um, I'm not going to try and pretend I have I have thousands of followers to share it with, but I am more than happy. Um, 
to to share any links that you know any any to anyone really sends me but especially people i've spoken to i'm more than happy um to to share what they're working on in the future because you know i you know you've given me this time and it's the very least that i can do is try and make people more aware of what you're doing to help um in any small way that i can if that makes sense well, awesome thank you i look forward to uh chatting with you later Definitely, definitely. And, you know, again, Michael, like I said, if, you know, if there was anything else you wanted to, to add on to um, as well, please, um, you know, where can people actually follow for the current, you know, follow you currently if they want more information about you or from Foolish Mortals or what have you? Uh, sure. Uh, you can either join my email list on my website. Uh, here I am posting this text chat, uh, foolishmortals-net slash radio general. Um, you can also join our Discord. Uh, that would be the best place. Awesome. Well, I will definitely include, you know, that the the radio. Or sorry, I was looking at reading Radio General. I'll include the the email list as well as the Discord for for people to join and for you know people to follow if they want more information about you guys. All fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. And if there wasn't anything else, I will let you get on with your day. Let you get on with your busy schedule. Oh, sounds good. Thank you for having me. No, again, Michael, thank you for making the time to have this conversation with me, as well as thank you for joining us on the Red Tunic podcast, and a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for the use of music from the title track of Roads Deep. And if you like this podcast and want to support it and help it grow, please subscribe or follow me on Twitter at Red Tunic Podcast to receive the latest episodes and news, and be sure to share with those you think might also enjoy it. Thanks, till next time.